0: Hi friends, and welcome to the StoryForge podcast. I'm Lyle Smith, your host, and there are times when you turn on your stereo or your radio or your streaming device, when a song comes on, usually when you've been too busy to pay attention to the music you love for a while, and always when you haven't heard that song in a good long while. And then it comes on, and it catches you by surprise. It gets to the guitar solo and the long repeatable chorus or that one line you love, the one that means something specific to you and your head and your heart open up and you remember a time when the song mattered to you more than anything in your life. It's like that moment you catch a whiff of something intimately connected to a memory you suppressed from long ago. Songs can do that, connect you to a moment. Songs are the time machines the physicists say are impossible. They make your heart sing, And your eyes closed, smiling about a long-lost connection to something, somewhere, someone. They make you weep in a way you only knew possible a long, long time ago. And that is why music matters. Today, I'm talking to a friend of mine I've known for that kind of a long time. Jody Nardone is a terrific jazz musician, singer, session man, recording artist, performer, and all-around fantastic individual. I wanted to talk to him because he's self-employed, runs several streams of entrepreneurial business for himself out of Nashville, Tennessee, and he's outspoken on many topics, and he cares about what he does as much as he does about the people and the world around him. I'll apologize that this is a long one, but Jody, perhaps more than many of my traditionally entrepreneurial guests, provided some remarkable insight into his business and the psychology of not only the creative parts of his life, but the business and relationship parts of his life as well. If you think you want to learn a thing or two, or you're in need of a little insight and inspiration, you'll enjoy this. So here we go. So so yesterday was a a sad day. Uh, We lost John Prine yesterday
1: yeah very sad
0: he was up in your neck of the woods Uh, yeah he's been a
1: nashville resident for a long time i want to say maybe since the 80s i'm not certain but i moved here in 94 and he had already been here for several years he and his entire management structure they've all they all were here for quite some time and they started this record label, Oh Boy Records, right. and it was Al Benetta, his manager, um, who Alice originally from New York, and then John, right. I think, was originally from Illinois. Maybe I think he may have grown up in Illinois or he born there or something. But um, they somehow ma- managed to find their way to Nashville fairly early on. You know? Right. So he's like a real icon
0: here. You know? Yeah. No I kidding. Mean, I mean, and I, I know super icon. Yeah. And it, well, in my, you know, music fan circles, he, it was, it was a sad day when that came out yesterday and a lot of comments and postings of, of his songs and him playing his songs and other people playing his songs. Yep, Uh, cause he I was just having a conversation before I got on with you, with a friend of mine who
1: also grew up here and is sort of a child of the music business. And, uh, her, her dad is a fairly well known record producer uh And her husband is now uh in music management handles a lot of different acts and uh you know she had kind of grown up you know John Prime was a big fixture in her right. own world you know their their dad had been friendly with him, and they had a lot of shared friends and mm-hmm. you know she was telling me how sad it was, just from like a personal loss as well as a musical loss you know right. I think a lot of people had that uh experience with him even if they didn't personally know him i i didn't personally know him but i was saying for somebody like me who grew up in new jersey and wound up here and was listening Mm -hmm. to him before we moved here right you know he felt like that uncle that always had sage advice (sighs) for all of us you know and you found out he's passed away and you've been kind of you know uh he's his voice was always there to tell you something really poignant and meaningful when you needed it and so that's, that's going to be a big loss for a lot of people i
0: think that's a great description of it it really is and you know because i was uh it's it's funny I, I didn't know his music the way some people know his music but when you start going back and looking and seeing how many people did his songs know. Uh, the impact you know one voice can have is is really yep. stunning and you know i've been thinking a little bit about the crisis and how you know, what's people taking it seriously, not taking it seriously, whatever. Uh, and just thinking once we start to see some names of people we recognize and love and and not just personal, but, but you know, influential people in different industries um, going, uh, that's when more and more people are gonna realize how just how serious this whole thing is.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that, um... It's never as real until it happens to you or right. your family, or at least that seems to be the case with some people. <laughs> right, 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 people. right. You know, um, there's just a certain culture out there that, you know, um, they sort of rail against all kinds of different, you know, uh, injustice, or I mean, the what they call perceived injustice, yes. or, you know, current events or whatever it is, uh, until somebody in their family winds up in that scenario, then all of a sudden they have this flip. It may not be John Prime for everybody.
0: So how, how are things otherwise? How's, how's the family, how's, how's, how's everybody taking it in your house?
1: Yeah, we're, you know, um, it's interesting kind of what it's caused or you know what, what, how we're dealing with this. We are a family of three plus my mother-in-law which makes us four she has a small apartment sort of in the back of our garage but she's in the house most of the time with us um but uh my wife claudine works for vanderbilt and she works from home exclusively anyway um she was working from home a few days a week for a long time and then just at the top of the year they decided to have um the entire staff work from home. So so she's already home. Um I'm usually not home because I'm usually down at my office in town, um, seeing clients, teaching, da 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 da, or doing sessions before right. I go to my office to teach. And then many times on to a gig at night and certainly during the weekends for sure. Right. Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, sometimes Sunday, whatever. So I've never spent this much time at home in my life ever, ever. I mean, <laughs> I like, I, I'm just like, wow, this is what it's like to kind of be a normal person Yeah. and look around the things you acquire and stare at them and sit in, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to say that I'm never home, but I'm usually home. Um, by the time I get home, you know, Gabriel, our son, it, he's, he's in bed and, and so is Claudine, you know? Yeah. So, um, Cause she gets up real early. Her they can pick what their work schedule will be, but they sort of have to adhere to it. And she starts work at four thirty in the morning sometimes. Somehow we're all compartmentalized. I'm here in my little office. My piano's in my man cave. That's too. That's kind of close to where her office is. So I try not to play it much while she's working. But she's right. usually done yeah. by like one o'clock or something. Gabe has school online.
0: Uh huh. And your, your, your career, your business as a musician, um, your description was pretty interesting. Uh, to those of us who don't live and work in the music business, um, your, I, I wrote in my little notes here, I said, diversified. I started writing, well, you have the, you have the trio, you have the jazz trio, you do session work and you teach music under normal circumstances. Um, what does your, work life kind of look like um
1: what's normal circumstances well without without a without a
0: health crisis going on is all i mean
1: okay um there's always some kind of crisis going on in our house no that's not true um actually i think that i'm very very fortunate i feel very blessed that i live kind of a fairly normal life Um, even though I have, um, a sort of abnormal, um, vocation and job, you know, um, I've done years and years of therapy for all kinds of different reasons, but I remember my longtime therapist saying, you know, Jody, you're really, um, you're, you know, you're like a really normal person. You know, you just have, you just have, um, and you live a normal life. You have a, you have sort of normal values, you know, but you, uh, but you have kind of a, um, a unique job, you know,
0: a lot of the folks I talk to when we start talking about their businesses, they, they have a business and they sell something or they provide a service and that's their business. That's their, that's, it's really focused on one sort of right uh, thing. You on the other hand, you have multiple um, areas of revenue. I, I'll, I'll cast that's it right. that way. No,
1: that's exactly no, right. They, it doesn't that's just exactly come right. from
0: one source. It's, it comes from multiple places. And, um, you know, for example, during a crisis, uh, and I talked to another uh, performer friend recently, uh, they were Irish performers and they lost all of their St. Patrick's Day stuff, which is most of their year yep. all at once yeah um, so with you all of your live shows have to be gone postponed yeah everything canceled. got
1: cancelled from um friday the 13th
0: <laughs> oh, man! <laughs> which
1: i'm not going to comment any further than that but yeah. friday the 13th is when you know the proverbial you know poop hit the fan
0: right um right
1: so once once we hit that day and everything started to unravel things started to unravel fairly quickly it was like right. everything started to get canceled so i don't remember the last time i played a gig but yeah i'm lucky in the sense that i have all these different income streams right um, the thing that's hard about kind of what i chose to do is um i'm the product right so except for selling you know my My records and my CDs or whatever, which is just a kind of a small piece of it It's more just to keep the word out and to get out in front of people more and have people Be able to take something home, you know, right But it's not like a gigantic income stream by any means um but the rest of it, it's like, I'm the product. If I'm in a session, right. I have to be there and I'm mm-hmm. concentrating on that. If I, you know, I leave a session and I go straight to my office and then I'm doing this one on one, you know, with, with eight or nine people in a day. And then at eight o'clock at night, I'm packing up and driving home um, from my studio, from my office. And then, you know, uh, if I leave the office and go to a gig, then I'm present at the gig. Right. you know my wife is always saying, "How about being present here?" you know like <laughs> how about being present when you're home you know I, i'm I'm always kind of like caught in what's coming up for the next several more days. Um, you know, I love right. my family and i I try to take good care of them and i you know but that's I'm always working hard on trying to remember that I'm no longer at work, and you get into this mindset that. When you're a self-employed person, you're kind of, you're almost you always feel like you're at work.
0: I, but I think anybody who's in uh, sort of a, an entrepreneurial um, place, a startup world, or a or a um, you know a, a solopreneur uh, to throw out a word that I hate using. I love that. Um, word. <laughs> I, I, have, I can't. I have a love-hate love, hate relationship with it. <laughs> but it's. Uh, but we're all the same way because we. You know, we're all trying to make the most of our own time. And until such time as uh, the product becomes something that's not you, like you say, um, you have to pick up the phone when it rings. You have to right. answer that text right. or that email. And you have to- And if you're the in the, the arts, home. you're
1: very rarely gonna ever get to a point where the product's right. not you. Right, right. I mean, right. except for leaving, unless you have content that people are willing to right. uh, You know, trade for, whether it's, You know capital or whatever whether you can do comment commerce on your content right you're always the you know so it doesn't matter if you're a public speaker a motivational speaker um you know if you're just a single person in a in a business model where you're doing all the work and you're doing all the selling and you're doing all you know or if you're a musician or if you're an actor or if you're um a, a, a psychologist or a counselor or um um a consultant i mean all that stuff which is what a lot of americans do honestly right. there's a lot of us yeah um that do something like that we're it's us and then when something happens to us
0: mm-hmm. something
1: happens to the business and you know you talk to these financial people and they say well you really got to have 3 months of you know salary and you know 3 months of of house payments and, and living expenses in, in savings. And I try to remind them, yeah, that's wonderful. Of course, you should. But I live in the United States where 75% of all households have less than $1,000 in savings. And a $400 expense is something that most people consider catastrophic.
0: So you're a musician, and you have been a musician as long as I have known you. <laughs> <laughs> I've which been is a, a long time as, long
1: as I've known me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah. So how did how did I can't imagine you being anything other than uh, the brilliant musician you are. Uh, by the way, uh, I want to I want to nice. ask your your uh, your your Christmas album you put out. Vince Charlie Brown's Vince Giraldi live concert yeah. uh, was outstanding. By the way, I I've listened to that and I have it set uh, sitting on my desk at the moment, you know, waiting for an appropriate place to be stored. Uh, prominently, um, but um, you have any more of those left? Yeah, yeah. Can we can yeah. we Let's <laughs> can hawk those? Can things. we can yeah. we hawk those things? Yeah. Little ad. You're the brand anybody. guy You're yeah. the And guy. if you don't have it already, yeah. uh, get in touch with with Joey. We'll we'll put it in the show notes. And, and yeah. That. But yep. um, it's it's a spectacular record. It is really one of the best things I've listened to in, in a long time. Um, Very good. And that's with your your trio, your your, yes. your your three of you guys. How are they? How are they doing? By the way, you're all you're all um, in the same boat with this kind of stuff. I, you
1: know? Yeah, we're all kind of you know. Everybody's got their own path. Um, the guy that plays drums on that particular project, when we do the Guraldi stuff, he tours with a lot of you know musicians. That's kind of where his income stream is. Right. Um, and uh, I'm sure he's sitting home cuz yeah. nobody's touring cuz like nobody's playing cuz there's nowhere right. to go cuz right. we can't congregate. I haven't talked to him recently. Um and then the guy who played bass on that and is, is you know usually the bass player in my trio has mm-hmm. been for the last I don't know 17 years or something. He's in the studio business. He does live sound. He's an incredible bass player he does lots of recording and production and whatever does lots of sessions, but he's got a bunch of other stuff going on too. He's been Mm -hmm. doing artist development management, blah, blah, blah. But he was kind of scaling back and streamlining some of what he's been doing recently. And he's kind of into some other business too that has nothing to do with music. So he's, he's just trying to keep some, income coming in at
0: the moment you know so there's a lot of going around too um,
1: you know i used to tell my students um whatever normal scenario is you know the summer is always a hard time to keep the students up Mm -hmm. um because parents are all and I teach lots of adults too, I mean yeah. I'd say almost half of my students are adults, and some of them are professional musicians, but a lot of them are just adults that always wanted to play, right. and um they have the income and the time now to it's kind of like their golf game or something right you know and um but you know, I teach a fair amount of kids too, and I've had to make my business model such that people understand it's a 12 month calendar i have them paying tuition and mm. they get the calendar they know when we're on they know when we're off the tuition right. only reflects when we meet there's right. program breaks throughout the year and it's bundled together and put into 12 equal monthly installments it took years okay. for me to get to that model so that i didn't have all this fluctuation in my income that's a great but idea there, there is still some drop off yeah at 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 uh, summertime and you know the only thing I tell people is I can't make you do anything and right. you have you, it's, it's a free world it's free country do whatever you want to do um, if you can't if you're not gonna be around for two months why pay for the piano lessons sure right, right, but right. if you think you're only gonna miss here and there and here and there look at the calendar mm-hmm. you can take your lessons whenever you're around even if it's not on your normal day and time right. and you keep paying your tuition and then you keep your slots for when school starts again a right. lot of people just stay with that some yeah. people are just like, we're gone, we're going to Italy for two and a half months. <laughs> Go ahead. We'll call you in the fall. And I say, if I have a spot for you, of course. I, I mean, that's wonderful. Um, right. if, but I say, if everybody did that, I'd be working at Target all right.
0: summer. And then right. I probably
1: won't be here in the fall. Right. People no, spend agree. more than that on two cups of coffee at
0: Starbucks. For oh, gosh. You know? <laughs> Don't get me started. You know? <laughs> One just opened up on my <laughs> corner. How did you get, I mean, how do you go from being, you know, a kid taking piano lessons uh, to being a professional musician?
1: Well, that's not let's very talk about, linear. Let's talk about your journey <laughs> a little bit. Matt. First of all, for whatever reason, I never had a point in my life that I can recall all the way back to my earliest memory where I didn't want to be a musician. I don't know why. I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with my dad, Um, even though my dad was a baker and my family had a baking business, you know, pastry bakery business for three generations prior to me. My dad, you know, as you know, was also a band leader and a singer. And that was where he really derived his enjoyment he you know i mean he was proud of the family business and and it certainly served its function but it was not really that was not his dream you know Mm -hmm. um and he kind of got wrapped up in that for a variety of different reasons um and it is what it is but my earliest memories are like taking a bath sitting in my pajamas on the basement steps in our first little house that we lived in and his band rehearsing. I tell this story all the time. You may have heard me tell the story. His band would be rehearsing in the basement. We had a big upright piano, so the piano players sitting there playing the piano and the guitar player and the bass player. And then maybe the drummer brought a little snare drum and they were working out vocal harmonies and working on new songs. And they would put medleys together because they played wedding so they would do like an El- an everly brothers medley and they work out all these little harmonies and then they might do like an elvis medley or they do a medley of like 50s songs and then a medley of maybe more current hits at the time in the early 70s and you know this was a time when everybody smoked my dad had stopped smoking way prior to that but basically you know half the band was smoking uh there was a lot of beer being consumed and because my dad was a baker he always brought. Um, Whenever they would have one of these gatherings, he would bring a bunch of pastries home for them to, you know, annihilate while they were practicing. My mother would brew a bunch of coffee, and so I could smell coffee, donuts, pastries, smoke, um, b- beer, cans of beer, and then the, what a Fender amp smells like when you turn it on and the tubes start to warm up right so i smelled all of these things at once and i heard this like magic concoction of sound coming out of our basement so i would just sit there in my in my pajamas after my bath and i would just marvel at them working on this stuff and i i mean i think i was about two years old
0: wow literally so that's Um, like a real olfactory uh recollection for you you Yeah.
1: yeah that's right and i think my whole life i've just been trying to recreate that feeling like Mm -hmm. everything i do is just rooted in like what that looked like Willy wonka when he opens the door and it's like the whole (laughs) place is like edible and it feels like candy that that memory for me yeah literally my my uh, perception of that thing. They were just, they probably, you know, they may have been enjoying themselves. They sounded like they were, but they had all worked all day. They were all part time musicians. They all had full time jobs. Mm-hmm. They were just doing that, you know, on the side. So they may have been kind of tired. I mean, I know what I'm, how I feel after a day's work. And here it is, right. seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. I don't recall ever wanting to do anything else in my life except I have, I have always had a very, um, uh, kind of, un, uh, uh, this gigantic desire or, or, um, appetite for, um, for politics and especially U S history, presidential politics, presidential biographies, maybe you should be a lawyer. Maybe you should be a lawyer. Cause I like to argue. <laughs> um, so that was the only other avenue. And I think if my life had changed, like, for instance, I can give you an exact um, I can give you an exact uh, fork in the road, so you know anyone listening to this will not know this until I say so, but your mother, you, Lyle, your mother <laughs> Agnes, was a gigantic mentor to me all through my you know uh, sort of middle school days through high school and college, really I mean, she was you know I always say that. Um, when people see that you have some kind of god-given talent or something they say oh you're so gifted you're so gifted i mean they don't just say it to me this that's what we say to one another oh you have such a gift um but i really think that the gift and i truly mean this i think that the gift is not that you've been given some talent because everybody has talent the gift is when you have people in your life as a young person that um that recognize that you have that gift. And they they take time out of their own crap that they're going on during their day. Mm -hmm. And they pay attention to you and they see what you need. And they put some wind in your sail to make you believe that you can do something with that gift. Now, my parents certainly did that. And I had lots of other music teachers and other teachers Mm -hmm. that did that. But once I had your mom first in English, like in junior high and whatnot, and then also with all of the theatrical stuff that she was doing in our community and I was participating in that and she was roping me into that kind of stuff. That, you know, not only did I get a whole bunch of experience, but I also got a lot of affirmation from her. That I could do it. And there were lots of times when she would ask me to do things that I didn't think I could do. And she right. said, You can do it. And I'd say, I really don't think I could do it. She said, You can do it. And before I knew it, I was doing it. And that that's the gift. That's the gift. The gift is not, I mean, yes, it comes from God. I believe it comes from God. I believe it comes, you know, from however you want to perceive that. And but I think I don't think and I'm no I'm not special because I have a gift everybody has a gift mm-hmm. the, the gift this this you know or a talent the real gift and the special thing is when you're fortunate enough to have people in your life like my parents like your mother um like many other people i had all along the way that kept putting wind in my sail and making believe making me believe that i could do it because that's what you need i mean very few people can kind of walk this path and believe that you can make a living doing something in the arts. If you don't have like insane amounts of confidence, but you also have to have the right kind of humility and all the people that I know that are really at the top. And I've been lucky to meet some of them and spend some time with some of them. They're all very humble. They're all, you know, I don't think they really know um, the impact that they've made on other people. Um, And they're just human beings. And, um, I think they're aware of how fortunate they've been, too, to have people, you know, putting wind in their sail.
0: Uh, And you started a band. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, you know, we first started, this kind of goes back to even, it goes right back to the basement with my dad, too. So when I met the guys in this, you know, that became this band, it, um, it came from, us having a gig at a dance sometime in the spring of that year. Second thing that happened was um, the guys that I was playing with, a couple of them had already played together in like a, a previous little incarnation before I came around. Mm-hmm. And I said, so my first question was like, so how much are we going to charge to play this this gig? And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, they have to pay us. And they said. What do you mean? I said, well, didn't you get paid when you played the dance in junior high last year? And they said, no, we just wanted to play it. Um, so we played it. And I'm not trying to make them sound like they didn't know what they were doing. That was just like, they were just thrilled to be able to play. Right. Right. And see, my mentality was, I watched my father come home every weekend with cash, you know, in his wallet.
0: That's a bit From yeah.
1: singing. Yeah. And so my mentality was like, you know, the thing that got us over, and the thing that got us the VCR and the new TV and right. the trip to California and the da 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 da, it was because of the band. It wasn't right. because of the fa- because of the family business. The family business might have been the baseline, right. but it was the band and his singing. He literally came home every weekend with extra money because he could right. sing. So I didn't know anything else. So I was right. just like, "What do you mean we're gonna play for free? We're not playing for free. Why should we play for free? They're like, right. Well, nobody <laughs> knows who we are." Da, 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 da. So the only way they're going to know who we are is if we play it, we got to get right. paid. Everybody else right. gets paid.
0: And so you were playing and you were playing, you know, rock and roll, you were rock, you were a rock and roll band, a, a, yes. a pop band. And, uh, and you were playing your own music, your own songs. Uh, some of which I remember very fondly.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: uh, um, and, um, and then somewhere along the line, this, this we're going to skip ahead a few years now, but, um, there was, Some somehow you get from the New Jersey, New York, Northeast area to Tennessee. Yes. How does that happen?
1: All right. That's very simple. Um, So you're right. We sort of got out of school, kept the band going. The dream and the plan was to get the band a recording contract start touring all over the country, make records, Mm -hmm. put them out, be on MTV, which was still a thing at the time, (laughs) Um, be on the radio um, and try to build, you know, we had, we were lucky. We had like a really nice fan base. It's strange how we wound up here because I think the thing that instigated the Nashville thing, I think I was a big part of that. At first, there was a lot of resistance. The other guys really didn't want to do it. And what I could see happening were two things. New York was becoming impossible to just deal with on a logistical level. I was never like a city rat, a city mouse. I love the city, but I never had any desire to live there ever. Mm -hmm. And I still don't. Um, I'm I'm too... I'm a piano player, so nothing I do travels light. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you, you just... It's like it's like you're used to being on a gigantic aircraft carrier your whole right. life instead of like a rowboat right. or a sailboat, you right. know? And like when you're a guitar player or a horn player or something like that, I think you have a much easier way of just kind of like dealing with smaller space and right. and um, I'm also kind of a pack rat mm. and um, a collector. So mm-hmm. the idea of like living on the sixth floor of a, of a building that even didn't even have a, uh, Uh, an elevator and traveling up and down six flights of stairs with a gigantic 88 key keyboard um, (laughs) never appealed to me so i started just saying i'm getting the hell out of here i Mm -hmm. don't care anymore like come with me don't come with me there were all these records getting made in nashville and there Mm -hmm. were piano players on them people that could play you know Uh, a guy named matt rollins who i've gotten to be you know friendly with i always loved his playing and he was Mm -hmm. playing on everything back in the mid, you know, early to mid nineties and beyond that he's gotten into production and all kinds of stuff. He's an amazing guy. But I, I, you know, I remember when we finally met and started talking, he contacted me about teaching his son. I said, man, you're one of the big reasons why I moved here. And he couldn't believe that. I said, cause I was listening to records that you were playing on. And I was saying, man, if, if that guy can play like that on those country records, there might be some work for me, you know, right. um, which there was, so I was just like, I had to start kind of thinking about my own, you know, like, I gotta make a living doing this. So I just started seeing opportunity in Nashville and everybody we talked to said, oh, it's changing, it's changing, it's not just Hee Haw, it's not just the Grand Ole Opry, <laughs> it's not just all these spangled, you know. Well, that's, that's um, the next question. I mean, suits it's, and stuff.
0: yeah, cause you, I mean, you're, I mean, you're, you're playing jazz now a lot.
1: Which is very uh, interesting, right?
0: And yet you're also doing things like, you know, vocal arrangements on the Brian Zetzer Orchestra record and stuff right. like that. And it's, it's a, it's a, you have a, um, a wider vocabulary, a wider musical vocabulary than, than most, it seems to me. I don't know well, that's, that's nice of
1: you to say it's probably because of what you said about your mom thinking I could do lots of things that I never <laughs> thought I could do
0: Right, you know,
1: I mean she would call me up and say we're gonna do this show And I'm gonna need you I need you to do this Right. Will you do this for me, please? I know you could do this." And I would go. I can't do that You know, she said don't be <laughs> negative think positive (laughs) you can do this you can do this in your sleep and i'm like where am i going to find the time to vocal arrange and music direct you know such and such show and corral 35 or 40 kids into singing in harmony and blah blah blah. you'll figure it out you know and so when i got the call to do the setzer record i had the exact see i for whatever reason she's right she's been telling me this since i was a kid I, my first default position is no, 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 (laughs) not yes, no. So I'm always like, it's much more comfortable for me to be sitting here in my man cave and not do that. I just say, no, I'm too busy. And uh, you know, it's because it's fear of failure. Right. You know, it's fear of like actually putting myself out on the line and then finding out I can't do something. But luckily I always, shut that voice off almost not quite immediately but before anybody hears it come out of my mouth for the most part or before the person who's asked really believes that I'm going, Can I do that? You know. So I get the phone call to do the sensor thing and um the guy who's producing it, it's Peter Collins, who's a dear friend of mine. I've known almost the whole time I've lived here. And he used me on some things before and he said, We're doing another Christmas record, which to me that, like there's nothing more than I love, you know, nothing more that I love than Christmas music and big band music, you right. know? So I had done a previous thing on Setzer's small group Rockabilly record, huh. where he had me overdub myself like I was the Jordan or something. Okay. There was another thing I was like, can I even do this, you know? Can yeah. I even do it? But I didn't tell him, can I, you know? And he had more faith in me than me. There was mm-hmm. another time that we were doing a record that Brian was working on, but he, it wasn't him, it was another artist. And they had this Beach Boys type arrangement. Mm-hmm. And I had sang some boat, vocals on some other songs on that record already and it was all gang vocals where there were a bunch of us mm-hmm. around a couple of mics singing. So he goes, I need you to come in and do some more background vocals for me. Um can you come Friday afternoon? Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm gonna be there with like six or eight other guys. He's like it's gonna be like a duop, op, almost like a Frankie Valley in the four seasons meets the beach boys thing. Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, he's just gonna say you're gonna sing the tenor part, blah, blah, blah. I walk in there, I'm like, where's everybody else? He goes, Oh, you're the singer. I'm like what do you mean I'm the singer? He says, you're going to sing all the parts. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then this arranger walks in with a laptop, and he's like, yes, I'm going to teach you. I've arranged the whole thing. I'm going to teach you this two bars at a time, and we're going to stack you from the top down, which I never knew. I always thought you built chords from the bottom up. So we were always thinking, we, were, we did a lot of harmonies in our band. I was always thought, oh, you work on the bottom up. He said, no, Brian Wilson always did it from the top down. That's how you would get this ring. There's something that happens to the notes and the vowels when you work from the top down. Sure enough, he was right. And I'm there for like 90 minutes singing six part harmony with myself and doubling (laughs) and tripling parts. And he's teaching me this thing, the guy who arranged it, like two measures at a time. So somehow these people always wind up believing that I can do something that I go, Peter, if you had ever told me that this is what you wanted me to do before I got here, I would have said, no, <laughs> you know, it's true, goes, I knew you could it's, do it. I knew you could do it. And then the same thing happened when he called me about the, the sensor thing. I hung up the phone. I was like, yes, of course I'll do it. And I hung up the phone. And I looked at my mother-in-law. And I was like, what the hell have I gotten myself <laughs> into? How am I going to do this? <laughs> and then you just kind of do it. So I don't but, know. You know, it's better.
0: Yeah. You know, but you know, though, that's, I mean, that's a really good uh, kind of mindset to have in certain times uh, of, of your life, of your journey, of your professional life, whatever. So like, for example, to bring it back around to, you know, the age of coronavirus and, and everything that's changing so vastly so quickly, um, you don't have any choice but to change things and the way you do things right i mean your your gigs are gone for the time being what do i do you know well you focus on your students and and other things and and i mean you've had you've had to change the way you teach i have to imagine
1: yeah i'm doing what we're doing right now everything's via skype and facetime zoom kind of stuff yeah it's all video conferencing and i'm sitting here either listening through a fairly decent set of computer speakers or with uh you know your phones or something on. Um, And, you know, that's hard too, because I'm used to sort of emoting and sharing the same air with the people I'm dealing with. And there's a back and forth that you get just being in the same room. And the first week I was getting worn out because I was kind of like, all I've got left is this computer screen. And it's, it's not... Um, I have to kind of dial it back a little bit, you know, but I think one of the other things you said about just sort of adjusting and for me, I think I'm always better when there's a gun to my head. Otherwise I'll probably do nothing. You know, that's that's so so overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by everything I have to do. So I'm just like, whatever's right in front of my face. I'm not, I'm not a really good long-term planner. I am fairly organized and I'm, um, I'm able to keep all the plates spinning in the air. But I think if I start focusing on what? how many plates are going to spin five days from now. Right. The, the plates I have spinning in the air going you know, to crash. I have,
0: I totally get that. And, you know, as a writer, uh, there's an old, it's an old joke that says, you know, I love deadlines. I love the whooshing sound they make as they go over your head. <laughs> and, uh, but the truth is, you know, uh, if I have a certain amount of time to work on something, uh, creative, you know, I write and, um, I really won't start writing it until really close to the end. I'll spend a lot of time thinking about it and trying to get things in order and that kind of stuff and even sleeping on it and not, and not really consciously paying attention to it. But I, I know it's working. And then right. when, when I finally get to sit down and work on it, I, that little bit of pressure that, oh, I got to get this out by Wednesday um, or by you know five or whatever time it is uh that that is that's like lighting a fuse you know um, you're right
1: pressure is a good word because it's like it's literally combustion
0: yeah you know
1: it's like something is like you know just building and building and building until it's got to pop you yeah. know and you can't really manufacture that you have to left you have to leave that process to do what it's supposed to do right. and i think if you trust that process whatever's supposed to come out will come out the thing that i I've noticed that's not quite like that is songwriting. I'm not doing much songwriting anymore, but I moved mm-hmm. here really to primarily be a songwriter. And it's funny cause now I'm a pretty much a jazz musician, mm-hmm. which is weird. I moved to Nashville and playing more jazz than ever with unbelievable world-class musicians, right. unbelievable world-class musicians. Nashville's changed um, a lot. It's changed a lot. And they told us that when we moved here, it took almost 20 years to really, change and be what it promised when we moved right. here they made it sound like it was like on the verge of moving and changing it, right. it it took that long but um songwriting is different in this sense that i think i learned the hard way that um sometimes that combustion is great but songwriting is really like a muscle that you have to exercise every day It'd be like if you're gonna go out for a run and you know do what you did maybe you still do i don't know but like um Uh, You know that you can't just like let two or three months go by and then say, "Oh, I'm gonna go run 23 miles today or something." Right. Right. Well, I mean, your body's not gonna do it.
0: Yeah. Well, like songwriting, like writing. I mean, muscle muscle memory is only only it has an expiration date on it. That's right. And uh, you know, so when I say you know I'm I'm thinking about something or work, and I I am working on these things too. Like I have here's my my notebook. Right. Uh, I, I never go anywhere without it and I'm always writing right. stuff down and that's part of my creative process. That's right. Now, um, some of that stuff will never get into anything. It'll just sit there. It's just, a, it's just some of the, okay. cause you have to kind of, it's like whittling something, you have to shave away. What's that old, that old uh, story about, you know, uh, they asked uh, right. the sculptor, how do you create, uh, Michelangelo, how do you create David? And he said, yeah. well, you take this big, this big piece of stone and you, you cut away everything that doesn't look like David. And that's, that's right. how it I mean, is. He,
1: he believed, he believed that um, the form, the human form was trapped mm-hmm. inside the rock.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And all he was doing was trying to extricate the, the, the form and the body out of the, the rock. That was already and that's there. how he sculpted, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's a great, that's another way to feel confidence in yeah. what you're doing, because if you trust that it's there, right. Like you right. just, maybe I just got to keep, you know, chiseling away and it's, trust, it's trust gonna is come a, out.
0: Right. and trust is a really good word too. I use that in my business all the time is because so much of, of a, a client relationship. And I got to think a student teacher relationship or even a band relationship that you, you trust that these guys are going to have your back. When you're out there right. on a stage in front of an audience, True. you trust that, you know, you throw them something, they're going to throw it back to you. Um, you know, and, and you have to trust yourself too when that, you know, when somebody asks you, can you do this? And you say, yes, you somewhere in your head, you trust that. Yeah, I really can. I know I can get it done. I, I'm not sure how sure. I'm going to get it done right this second, but I've, right. I've managed to stop myself from stopping myself. You know, yeah, I, I managed to stop myself from, 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 you know, saying, letting the fear creep in and say, holy crap. Uh, I got to how am I going to do this? And let that stop you, because, you know, then when you get into a situation like, uh, you know, again, like, I'll use the health crisis as as an example, where you don't have a choice, you know, you have to do these things, you have to figure out, you know, you're going to stay in home, you have to stay home, you have to, you know, take care of your family, you have to take care of your health. The choice is
1: being made for you
0: then you have to figure another way out of doing it. And And some people I think are are not,
1: some people are not good at that. Unfortunately, I think some people are just like, they kind of like, um, this is for better or for worse. And I'm not passing any judgment on this, but some people kind of get crippled by, Change. Um, I'm not really big into change, honestly. Change is hard. Change is uncomfortable for for me. My wife loves change. She's always like, where are we moving to next? Um, Let's sell this house. I'm I'm like, I just got everything where I want it. I don't (laughs) want, you know, you have to be, you have to be able to embrace your ability to improvise. And we were going through some marriage counseling several years ago. And the counselor said, Jody, what's your problem? You know, you're so rigid about all this life stuff, but you're a jazz musician. Why can't you, why can't you live the way you play? And I said, cause I play that way.
0: (laughs) It all gets
1: used there. I can't have chaos in all these realms. It's gonna kill me. But honestly, it took a while for that to sink in. It took a while for it to sink in, but I had to start being less, consumed and concerned about what's tomorrow, what's next week. Cause I'm right. kind of a worry worrywart. Mm. But for some reason in music, I've never been that way. I'm just like, bloop, 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 whatever. Okay, you know, just living in the moment. You have to live in the moment if you're gonna be a, an improviser. Right. So I'm trying to get better at living that way. And I think that's kind of been partially why the old me it may be the Wellbutrin talking too, um, <laughs> then the combination of the Wellbutrin and the Lexapro. Um, so there is some pharmacological help going on, but the old me would be having an ulcer worried about how we're going to pay the bills next month when the new me is just grateful that somehow I got the bills paid this month. And right. That's really all, all I'm dealing with right now is what's in front of me because you know, God forbid I could get this disease and not be here. Right. You know, in five weeks. Or, you know, not all of my business may fall apart. Right now it's holding fairly steady, not everything, but yeah. enough to just kind of deal with what's what wolf is at the door today. Right. You know? Right. Eckhart Tolle always says, you know, today I have no problems. <laughs> today I have no problems. I don't know if you've read the power of now. I, haven't, I have i have uh, to pick that uh, up he he reads it himself on yeah. tape and i've heard, i've listened to that and he says you know one of his big mantras is today i have no problems and if you can keep trying to remind yourself of that it's kind of true you know
0: it's interesting and and this is uh this is sort of an extreme version of that but they say the uh the lakota sioux warriors on the morning of a battle would wake up and look at the sunrise and say to themselves, "Today is a good day to die."
1: Ah, that's great.
0: And it's it's kind of the same idea. It's like, okay, I now I have nothing stopping me from being my best thing, right? this battle because yeah. I've decided that this is the one thing I'm going to do right now.
1: That's and, great. That's a great mantra because I think, unfortunately, Americans especially. Um, we have two really weird pathologies going on. One is a, an insane entitlement. We're raised with this entitlement that makes us feel like we are owed this life of happiness and prosperity, right. and it's it's our God-given birthright to to walk through the world with abundance and mm-hmm. and fat and things and stuff and wealth. And then on the other hand there's this movement to try to get us to sort of plan and work towards retirement mm-hmm. and you know, have a nest egg and make sure that when the rainy day comes, you can live comfortably, which is sort of, a, a, it's almost like a, a negative version of the other entitlement right. in a sense. Right. And for me, yeah, you don't wanna be irresponsible, especially when you have a family and you have bills to pay and blah, blah, blah. But you know, I was talking to a banker the other day who's helping me walk through some of this CARES Act stuff. And she even said she's like, I'm so sorry I had to call you at five forty-five PM. I said, Carrie, I'm 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 a musician. <laughs> I'm just ramping up. And, yeah. and and I work all day long anyway. And yeah. she's like, Well, some people don't really understand that and she's like, I work all day long too. I just work twenty four seven you know maybe that's not healthy but she's like i love my job so i feel like i'm never working because mm-hmm. i love my job and yeah. i think that too many people in our country don't understand the value of that it's all about like well i'm gonna do this for x amount of time and then i'll make all this money and then i'll be happy or and then i'll retire or and just if i could just get to retirement who wants to live your life like that i feel it's, very fortunate that I'll, i may never be super wealthy or any wealthy. I have a roof over my head, my health, you know, my I have my health, I have sustenance, I have things. My wife and my son are pretty happy. We have what we need and I get to do what I love. So, you know, I'm you know, I have this pittance of a retirement that I just looked at and saw how bad it's gotten in the last 4 weeks. Why am I going to retire anyway? This is my work. This is my life's work. What am I retiring from? Living? This then is this is something yeah down. this
0: is something I never under, I mean I I there's a there's a point where you get to an age where you want to slow down maybe but sure. you know I I I do things uh I like doing I do my work and I like my work and I I would just as soon keep doing it and it's not like you know right. there's not a ton of heavy lifting involved in what I do so the physical component is not the same even in musicians you know you see musicians as they get older maybe they're not you know, a guitar player is not as fast as he used to be right. or or something like that, but they, they find other ways to express what they need to express through their instrument.
1: That's right. And I think so they it, can what, keep what you lose in dexterity, you gain in wisdom and musicality. I mean, I can listen to my senior recital from 1991 when I was, I don't even, I wasn't even 21 yet. And I hear, just blazing chops and, and just a relationship to the instrument and, and the the physicality of it that I have not had since that day. Right. But uh, the content that's coming out of me is sorely lacking in comparison to what I've been able to do, you know, 30 years later. Right. Um, I don't have nearly the amount of chops or dexterity, but, i've had all this life experience, which makes what i 'm playing more meaningful, I would like to think at least
0: yeah, I mean there was a section in the in the um, Bruce Springsteen book uh, where he was talking about singing, and he he said he basically admitted he said you know i'm not the greatest singer in the world, and I, I know that, uh, but what I can do is i can I can be the most authentically me singer that I can be. I can, I can put more soul into this than anybody. And that's what he committed himself to. And you know, it works for him. Yeah, it works for me, hearing him <laughs> work for him. Right.
1: Know, I love him. I never right. tire of hearing that voice as gravelly as it might be, yeah. as tight as he might sound, as. You know,
0: it's got that um, it's got that I mean this more than I've ever meant anything in my life. That's that's right. Communicates that kind of that's right. Thing. And I feel like
1: he goes into his show like today would be a good day to play my last show. Right. You know, right. Um, Like you said about the Lakota Sioux, you know, and we had this mantra when we had the band and we were playing these miserable little joints that there might not be anybody in and we called it the brass rail tour because back then a lot of um some of your listeners might not remember what a Benegins was but a lot of <laughs> the decor of a lot of these sort of sports bar type joints that also had music they had brass rails all over in an elevated section of booths or an elevated yep. section of tables that they could whisk away and put a band on. And it, you know, we'd be like, we're playing the black brass rail tour here. We'd be traveling all these miles. and would be nobody there. And they'd be like, can you play a little quieter until dinner's over? i just like, we got to get out of this and, or not do this at all. And then right. we always would say, what would Bruce do? What would Bruce do? That was our mantra, you know, and uh, I'm lucky. I've been doing some work with Gary talent from the Street uh-huh. band lately. I've been oh, seeing cool. him quite a bit. And we have gotten to be friendly. And I've known him for a long, long time, but he's back, he, he had moved away for a while now he's back. And I'm working on this record that he's producing and some friends of mine that I've played with a lot. And um, he produced all their records. And, you know, I, I may have to, I can't remember if I've told them that story of like, what would Bruce do, you know? Like, it's so funny how these human beings that are just normal people, Right. Like like I was saying before, they're just normal people, like everybody else we know. Right. You, know if you spend time with somebody, you realize they're just totally normal, and I don't think they really have a grasp of what they mean to right. us. They become right. these lighthouses for us. You know, For us, Lighthouse. it wasn't even just Bruce, it was like the whole band, they stood for something. Right. You, know? you knew when they walked out on that stage that they were here To make everything else go away for three or four hours, and make you feel like this was the last concert they were ever going to play, and you were going to be in attendance, and whatever you were worried about all day is going to melt away for that period of time. And I mean, what else is art and entertainment for, you know?
0: Exactly, exactly. Well, and I hope uh, I hope soon uh, you'll be playing shows with that attitude again.
1: Yeah, me too. It'd be nice, you know. <laughs> I'm getting all these messages like, when are you going to do a little Facebook uh, thing? And I don't know. I'm not there yet. It's still building up steam. It has right. the pressure hasn't decided right. to pop right. out yet. That's, but it. That's it, it. It will.
0: All right, man. Thank you. Well, thank you for thank you. being so generous with, uh, with your time and your story. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for asking me to, to tell.
0: Have yourself
1: a merry little Christmas let your heart be light from now on our troubles will be out of sight
0: so that's Jody Nardone hunkered down in Nashville Tennessee with his family uh, and his piano and uh, he's been doing. Uh, he just started doing some Facetime live concerts for uh, friends and fans uh, that are fantastic. And um, if you would like uh, to learn more about him or uh, or buy one of his records, uh, JodyNardone.com is the site. We'll have it in the show notes. Um, thanks for listening. If you find yourself enjoying the StoryForge Podcast, please give us a review at Apple Podcasts, or we're on Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps others find the show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. All recording, editing, and executive producing tasks are handled by yours truly, Lyle Smith of NimbleSmith, the content marketing agency. This podcast would not be possible without the sincerely excellent help of our friend and associate producer, Anthony Sergi, who produces numerous podcasts, including the truly excellent A Guest in the House, about all things hip-hop. The music on the podcast was provided by Jody Nardone and the Jody Nardone Trio, Lights Will Guide You Home album. And if you'd like to send us questions or feedback or suggestions for other subjects or guests, you can reach us through the StoryForge website. That's thestoryforge.com. All words separated by hyphens. Or you can email us at Cheers at nimblesmith.com spelled N-Y-M-B-L-E-S-M-I-T-H. Thanks very much. Have yourself
1: a merry little Christmas. Have yourself a mayor.